Hi folks, I'm Duncan Gill, child and adolescent psychiatrist. And I'm Victoria Lee, licensed clinical mental health counselor, and welcome to Is There a Med for That? The podcast about teen mental health and behavioral problems and what to do about them. Victoria and I have been working for uh, years together with kids. Sometimes we use therapy, sometimes medication, sometimes we give some guidance to parents. And sometimes kids just need to be left alone. We don't have all the answers, but we probably have some of them. We'll do our best to share what we've learned over the years working with struggling kids and their families. We hope you enjoy the show and we can be helpful to those who have taken on the hardest job in the world, being a parent. We're ready to go. Hi, Vicki. Hello, Duncan. And welcome, parents, <laughs> to another episode of... Is there a med for that? Today we're going to talk about a much-needed topic or subject in all relationships, whether it's parenting with your children, um, thinking about our relationship, Dunk, and how often we need to apologize to one another. Correct. So we're going to talk about apology today. We have an actual apology poster, so you know, one sheet of paper with an outline of. Joe came up with it. Uh, the founder of Holistic Education came up with it, and it talks about what actually makes a whole and complete apology, a healthy apology. And we call it holistic apology. And there's three main parts to an apology, in our opinion. Um, and it's something we, we have the poster on, so you can put that up in your family living space if you want. Um, we're going to attach a copy somewhere where people can download online. Do you know much about the apology poster, Dunk? I actually, I know a fair amount about it. Um, uh, in the book, referenced it. And oh, that's right. Re- had to read through it a couple times. Right. You are a published author on WED. I, yeah. I mean, that's really impressive. That's not bad. I don't think about that a lot. I need to remember that more. You need to remember that. There's one expert here. (laughs) (laughs) And it is Duncan Gill. It is me. Um, Yeah, we we touched on apology a couple times already. Probably three or four times. Yep. Because it's really important to what we do. We talked about it with, we were talking about role modeling, the importance of that, the importance of taking space. Um, And at least a couple times I've repeated that. It's something that kids need to learn how to do because otherwise they become adults who don't know how to do it. And that really is a, is a hindrance to relationships. Yeah. There's a natural cycle that takes place in human relationships, harmony, disharmony, and repair. And the apology is in that repair part of the cycle. And so it, it be, disharmony becomes a problem for, you know, and there are many ways it can become a problem, but it's actually a healthy part of groups and it doesn't have to become a problem if we know how to repair it, right? And so the apology is really essential to it. I find that, you know, a common way that most people apologize, if they even do, and I was fortunate, I grew up in a family where we apologized to each other. My mom was a good role model in that way. Um, She was humble in that way. You know, if she made an error, she would apologize for it, and she repaired any disharmony, I think, in a very proactive, positive way. But... I hear a lot, and I think I've said this before in the podcast, a lot of people say, oh, my parents never apologized to me, right? And so that's one extreme. No one ever apologizes or even acknowledges conflict or wrongdoing or shoves it under the rug. But then there's another common thing that we see, and it's kind of a reactive apology, just quickly saying, I'm sorry, 
without really pausing and, and really looking at what are you sorry about? Um, what are you sorry for? What are you apologizing for? Are you really sorry? Like, what does that even mean? Um, you know, you see it a lot on playgrounds and I understand where it comes from, right? It's, we're trying to teach our kids healthy habits, but say your kid, you know, knocks Johnny over on the, on the slide and tells him he's stupid and you're horrified, you know, my child is, you know, that kid on the playground and you go over and say, you know, Tommy, go apologize to Johnny right now. Now say you're sorry. And he's like, I don't want to. And the kid's obviously not even sorry yet, but he learns to march over and just say, I'm sorry, you know, arms crossed and furrowed brows and, you know, not very sorry at all and, and says, I'm sorry, and then walks away. And so I think it begins young. And that's important to at least start the motions maybe for kids. But we think there's a better way in allowing your kid to figure out authentically for themselves a little bit more. Like, it's like in the playground analogy, you might want to give your child a little more time to process with you that's the reflect part like what happened why would that hurt johnny help him build empathy and understanding before just saying sorry that's a problem that we see this whole idea of making somebody apologize so johnny steals from a store you need to go apologize i mean that's just a sort of standard version but the whole idea of making somebody apologize or in what we do even requiring apology for somebody to be invited back to our group, uh, the compulsory apology really isn't uh, uh, particularly effective. The behavior doesn't, you know, it's, it has to be the spirit there. And you can help a child develop the spirit. Um, the apology has to come from the spirit, though. Yeah, because the repair, without the authentic apology spirit, the repair isn't authentic. The hurt is still there. So when the spirit is correct you know in the sense of it's actually sorrowful and you want to make amends and repair something then you can actually start that's how you can start the process of repair but if you don't have that in the relationship the spirit it isn't going to get it's not going to get repaired authentically it might again get shoved under the carpet with the proper words and moved on but there, you're going to experience that rift between you and whoever the conflict was with so in the holistic apology we need three things we believe to make it um, an authentic, full apology. One is, you know, I consider like accurate assessment of wrongdoing. So understand what we did wrong without believing it was nothing or it was the worst thing in the world. So that's an example. Like often people will maximize or minimize what happened, the worst thing or doesn't matter, you know, did nothing. And so the accurate assessment of wrongdoing, understand what you did wrong. You keep it right-sized, but you look at, you know, where did I violate the guidelines or, or how did I hurt Duncan's feelings the other day in the meeting or whatever, you know, whatever the situation was. And I think that pausing and to do that is really important for many reasons. One is it, it helps you look at the situation and see, it helps kids build empathy because you're starting to pause and reflect, well, where is, where was I off course? And sometimes too, you might actually have an erroneous assessment and that's not really, and I see this a lot with kids in our program. They apologize for something that the other person wasn't upset about. They were actually upset about something different. The pausing is really important in a lot of what we do in taking stock and before moving on, trying to repair a relationship or maintain it. I was going to say um, about the two types of false apologies. The more obvious one is not apologizing or 
a sort of fake apology like, well, I didn't mean to do it, but sorry. Um, that's one sort that's more obvious, which is really not taking responsibility. The other type, which is, you talked about, Vicki, I just wanted to put a fine point on it, um, is this... The MD signature. <laughs> <laughs> this is the sort of false apology the other way, which is falling all over yourself. I'm so sorry. I'm the worst person in the world. How, you know, and... That's really a distraction from a true apology as well. It's really about you. Yep. It's about uh, either eliciting uh, somebody's sympathy for you and perhaps forgiveness for that reason, or it's a disguise for no apology. The other reason sometimes people fall all over themselves is uh, that can be pathological as well. Um, if you constantly have such low a self-esteem that you think everything's your fault, mm -hmm. which is another imbalance. So as Vicki said, taking a second to right-size it and think, um, you know, what you're apologizing for and why uh, is important. The maximizing and minimizing. And sometimes, too, you might notice, right, in the false apology, someone is apologizing that you're upset at them. They're up, they feel upset because you're upset at them. Hold on. It isn't actually because like, they feel sorry that you're upset with them. Could you, what would be an example of that? Um, let's say um, you. Let's talk about us. Let's talk about us. It's, you know, <laughs> it's what we do. So what could you um, recently, I don't know. Maybe I came in and I knocked a coffee over on your desk and ruined your computer. Hmm. <laughs> that would be pretty severe. <laughs> That'd be a bad start to our day. Um, and it was an accident, but or maybe it wasn't. I mean, but let's pretend in our example it right. was an accident. There's an injury there to you. Part of the I'm accurate upset. assessment. One, you're upset, but also two, like I, I hurt your stuff. Like that costs money. Maybe you had some important documents or something on there. And so am I actually connecting to that part of it that Duncan is injured in some way? And it could be a little way. I stepped on your foot coming into the office or I knocked over something that was really important, sentimental to you or punched you in the face. Mm. Um, that'd be another bad day at the office. Sometimes and like you get upset, right? Because you've been injured in some way or hurt in some way. Sometimes people actually feel sorry about you being upset it isn't about that you're hurt uh -huh. so they're attending more they're, they're they're apologizing to make you not upset not to actually help repair i see or heal because a lot of that the repair you can think of it as healing you're healing a rift in the relationship or an injury in someone you love and care about so step one understand what we did wrong step two in a holistic apology is say i'm sorry and the hard part, well, maybe not the hard part sometimes, but the essential part is really mean it. It's an expression of, of sorrow and you want to say it. I am sorry. I'll, I don't know. Have you ever experienced this a lot in your life or seen it where people apologize without actually saying I am sorry? Kind of avoiding the actual word. <laughs> there was a great I don't, uh, Saturday Night Live where Trump was apologizing for something he did, something he said during the election. And who, who was it? Alec Baldwin played him, I think. Okay. And 
So he went up there and he said, um, I would like to apologize for blah, blah, and I'd like to apologize. So he basically was not apologizing. He made up his own word to, to avoid the I'm sorry part. Yeah, and it's funny, and you know, political, personal political views aside, I don't really have many, I don't think, to be honest with you. Um, I do, but I'm not going to share them. Yeah, I'm pretty checked out with it. Joe would say they're all criminals, and he doesn't associate with criminals, and it resonates in some level with me. Um, but they, you know, that is very narcissistic, right? That when you're apologizing so that you're not upset about me because it's still about me. Right. It's not about the other person. An apology, and why people find it so hard is that you're really vulnerable when you're apologizing. You're actually putting yourself out there and saying, you know, like, I've made an error, and I'm sorry, and that, what can I do to make that up to you? And so you're, you're it's almost like an animal, like in, like a, a dog or a wolf, right, in the pack, showing their, like, being submissive and showing their belly to their friend, mm. saying, I'm sorry. It takes trust to offer an apology. Right? Trust is a big part of being able to be vulnerable with someone. So saying I'm sorry and really meaning it, step two. And the vulnerable part's real because you can apologize to somebody and they may run with it and they may not act in a, uh, may not accept it, they may not in a dignified way and they may really um, stick it to you as you reveal your vulnerability. Yeah. And you have to learn how to be confident enough in yourself to be able to withstand that and say to yourself, hey, this isn't, this isn't, that part's not my problem. Right. It's not my side of the street. Yeah. And that can be very sad. And sometimes I think we avoid apologizing in certain relationships because we don't want to have to face that maybe this is an unhealthy relationship or something in our dynamic isn't healthy or this person I really love isn't healthy and doesn't really want to team up with me in this way. And so we just never go there, but we know it. You know, like our, I believe we have a lot of organic wisdom and we know those things deep inside and we tend to avoid them. All right, so the third part, after you understand what, we, what you did wrong, then say I'm sorry and really mean it. The third part is make restitution, which is how we attempt to repay whomever we hurt and fix or replace whatever we damaged. That's pretty concrete. So, so in our situation, it theoretically be saying, hey, I'll pay for your computer. Right. But I think you mean in a more sort of abstract way as well? Yeah. It's almost easier when it is the concrete part. Like, you know, classic example, the kid breaks the window with the baseball and you got to pay to replace the window. It becomes more challenging when what you've injured is not concrete. So feelings, trust, um, connection. And how do you repair that? And this is the part of the apology that you're almost turning it over to your friend, parent, partner in saying, I need you to help me with this. I need you to show me how I can help hurt or not hurt, repair or heal what I've hurt. And that is like the ultimate part of the vulnerability because you're showing your belly and you're trusting that your friend isn't going to, you know, come in there and stab okay. you with it. Yeah, exactly. And some people will. And, you know, I think of Rick, one of our counselors at Direction, um, he always says when someone shows you who they are, believe them. Hmm. And so in those moments, if you are being vulnerable and you're, you're looking to team up with someone and they hurt you in some way, whether overtly or covertly, you can 
choose to see that in a good way too and say, okay, this is really important information I have about this person. Mm. And maybe you draw attention to that there saying like, you know, I can't help but wonder if like right now I'm really trying to be authentic and vulnerable with you. And I'm wondering if like part of your reaction is you're trying to hurt me in some way. I know you might feel really hurt and I want to embrace that and fix that, but I'm wondering if hurting me on top of it is going to really help us in any way. That's very common, right? An eye for an eye. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. And so as parents, like if your children come to you to apologize, you want to really make sure you're spending some time in that reflection phase and really saying, am I ready to hear an apology? Am I ready to accept an apology and and be that group leader or family leader and loving parent? And be not enable them and say, oh, it's no big deal if it, you know, or don't worry about it, it was nothing. But also not saying it's the worst thing in the world or I'm going to injure you because you injured me. Catastrophizing it. Yeah. So I think we both believe, I want to check this, even if you don't trust somebody's ability to handle an apology in a dignified way, it's still important to do it. Agreed? Yeah. Um, all like there's always that the small caveat, like if there is an abusive or physically dangerous right. in relationship, you uh, trust your gut on that. Obviously, and don't put yourself in that situation. You want to use discernment. But oftentimes, especially if it's, um, you know, someone that you're, you want to work on repairing a relationship with sometimes takes going through this process and then pointing out like, hey, I'm really trying to apologize and teaming up. Because one, you either learn that they don't want to team up with you, or maybe they just have really bad habits that they're unaware of, and you can help reflect, provide clear reflection for them and see that, wow, like I really am trying to keep fighting with you about this versus actually repair it. Some people are way more comfortable in the disharmony stage or phase of connection and relationships. Some people get used to chaos, and you can just be uncomfortable from the other side or just habits. And But yeah, totally, it's a good thing you want to you want yourself to be strong and have healthy practices regardless of who's around you. And safety has to be the first foundation, which we talk about in our holistic house model, which we can maybe sometime introduce on the podcast, but safety is the foundation. So if a person that you're thinking about apologizing to is an unsafe, unreliable person in that way, then you got to go with the safety first. But beyond that, it's an important risk to take to figure out how close can you guys have in a relationship? How can, close can you be in a relationship? How much can I trust this person? How much are we on the same team? And so thinking about our children, it's wonderful if you have parents who can do this with each other in front of your children. That's a tough one, but very important. Yeah, and it can maybe at in the start be really tough, but I think ultimately it can feel really good to like with someone you love and care about and have a whole family with to be able to have those conversations where you feel really connected, especially after a disconnect, you come back into connection and it can feel, I think, really intrinsically rewarding in and of itself. And so it can be challenging to do it. But I think once you practice it, you start to see, wow, it feels really good to keep my side of the street clean. It feels really good to enter into loving relationship. And then your kids get to see that. So there's a role model part. Yeah. Model healthy behavior, model healthy relationship. And then we talked a little bit about the importance of actually apologizing to your child. 
So important. Yep. <laughs> Which can be fun at all ages. You know, like I have, my kids are pretty young, four and under. And we, I've, I'm apologizing, I think, on a daily basis, even because part of our apologizing is even for accidents, right? And I, I mean, maybe I have more accidents than others, but on a daily basis, someone in the house is unintentionally bothering someone or hurting someone or, and so even small apologies, just because when something is a minor disharmony or offense, the restitution might just be, oh, saying sorry was good enough, I appreciate it, and that's okay. But as the apology or the offense becomes increasingly significant, egregious. yeah, egregious, How's great that for word. A word. I love that word. Then you really want to fine tune the making restitution part of it, and it's really up to the other person. And then I know for me, like looking at my own practice over the years, sometimes it's been hard to figure out or to feel comfortable staying in the part of it where. You, you're the one being apologized to and just wanting to let the other person off without actually staying with, I've been hurt. And that's another thing you want to role model and engage in with your child so that they start to build empathy. They can see like, well, what did I say or do that hurt mom or dad? Because if they aren't getting that feedback, it's just like in rough and tumble play, right? Like you, you, you learn oh, when I use my, this much force, it's too much. I'm hurting the other person. And same thing in the art of co um, conversation and relating. Kids need to learn, oh, wow, like it's maybe not, it's hurtful to call mom a name or it's hurtful to um, demand things. You know, give me this now. And you can help your child, you know, and you can do it in a very, um, sometimes it has to be a very serious tone right? Like, or to the conversation, but all this stuff can also be done in a very just day-to-day -day manner. It doesn't have to be like feeling like you're sitting in a therapy office doing a big apology. You want to integrate it into your life. And the younger you start with kids, the easier it becomes over time. And the more likely they are to be part of a culture where it's okay to screw up and it's okay to apologize. And, um, it's harder if you try to learn to do it late in life. Yep. But still can be done. Absolutely. They say life is a lot about just trial and error. It's a one series. Pretty much everything <laughs> it is. Series of trials and errors, right? And you learn and you, you correct and you repair. So download the apology poster and give it a try. So just to connect it back to we did last time we did the guidelines, right? Yep. So in holistic education, do you want to say a little bit where apology fits in? Yes. So part of our You're practice welcome for me is, set, setting this up for you. Yeah, he's good at that, guys. The audience should know that Duncan is very good at that. Um, so, so in the guidelines, we talk about apologizing for any possible offense, including accidents. This is an actual guideline. It's one yep. of them. Yep. I forget the number. I don't. Where did my little guideline cards? I usually have one out. I with think me. it fell on the floor. So it's floating around the office. Um, but it's part of our group norms is to apologize for accidents or uh, offenses, including accidents, which is, ho I, I, hopefully most of our things that we apologize for are going to be accidents, but oftentimes they aren't. And that can be a little bit more humbling to have to apologize for things that aren't accidents, but we include, even if you accidentally hurt someone's feelings, you still want to take as much responsibility for just behaving that way. 
And so in the guidelines, the second page of it is the apology. Poster, yep. On the so, back of it. Yeah, so we like to have um, on one side of like a regular piece of white paper, like printer paper, the guidelines printed out, and then on the back, the whole apology poster. And they both fit right on that one side of the piece of paper. So it's enough information that I think challenges you a little bit to really consider it, but it's not overwhelming and it can be digested reasonably. And as a guideline, uh, it's part of the set of social, uh, this is the social code, which is not a rule, but rather something we aspire to. So yep. apology is something we aspire to and, and um, do our best to make it a habit. Yep. Yep. There's almost like an 80% rule, I feel like, in a lot of relationship things that no one's perfect, right? In another Joe saying, a perfection is the enemy of excellence. And so striving to do it every single time isn't realistic, but you want to aim for being excellent in life. And so they find that in a lot of um, like marriage counseling research that say like turning towards your partner instead of away. If you do that about 80% of the time, hmm. you're gonna have a good enough marriage. You can be part of the like masters category versus the disasters, it's a Gottman reference. And I think, I personally think that that probably is a number that we want, that you kinda gotta hit in a lot of areas in relationship. It's reasonable, I like 80%. Yeah, 80%, good enough. Good enough, and I would say that's good enough for this podcast. So <laughs> Love it. We'll talk to everybody next time. All right. Bye, parents.